0: Happy Tuesday! My name is Alan. My name's Nick. And welcome.
1: Into, into the, the Dungeon. dungeon. Here I am. Well, there's definitely been enough adventure here in the last few weeks to last a lifetime, wouldn't you say? Who's next, then? How about you, Shu? I'm interested to hear why they kicked you out of Laelon, and of you your adventures that brought you to Phandalin. Yes, well, it's quite,
0: quite a tale, especially, especially when I met Sinemus. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you how I became the druid I am today. The reason I, I was kicked out of Lylon, though, is because I was seen as a useless waste of space. And after the accident that Thadion talked about, well, they didn't have much choice, really, but to to send me out. It was quite harsh to send me out in, in the nude, I, I, I would have to say, but I mean, I suppose that's how they do things down there. But anyway, that's, that's in the past. I I don't really... I don't want to delve too much into that, but I can tell you how I became the druid I am today. Believe it or not, I, I haven't always been this great. Huh. Sorry? D- did, you, did you say something, Fabian?
1: Just a bit of water that got into my mouth. Hmm,
0: okay. After I was kicked out of Ligon, I was forced to survive in the wilds. I was attacked by a ravenous beast. Yes, but I managed to defeat it. The first night I camped in the wilderness, a bright green light guided me in my sleep, and when I awoke, Sinemus revealed herself to me. Of course, at that time, I didn't know who she was, and at that moment all my troubles and pains faded, and I thought that for once I would find comfort and a sense of belonging. Boy, was I wrong! As Shrew wakes from a trance-like experience, daylight bathes the surroundings in the soft glow of a pristine and clear sky, stretching above him like a vast blue canopy. The marshland extends in all directions, and before him, a solitary gnarled ancient tree stands tall, a lone sentinel overlooking the island it inhabits. Top the tree, a bright green light emerges, visible even in the daylight. It descends gracefully towards Shrew, landing 20 feet in front of him. Upon contact with the ground, the light transforms into a surge of green vines that gracefully ascend towards the sky. Woven together by an enchanting force, the vines take on a semblance of form. In a final burst of verdant energy, the light vanishes, unveiling the figure of a woman. Her skin carries the texture of polished wood, ...bearing intricate patterns resembling the delicate grains of ancient trees. Radiating an otherworldly glow. Her emerald green hair flows down in wavy strands. Her presence resonates with natural magic. Ethereal vines and leaves gracefully adorn her woodland attire. Eyes, deep pools of forest green, glimmer with ancient wisdom. The air around her shimmers with a tranquil aura. With a gentle gesture of her hand, she begins to float towards Shrew. Descending gracefully, she lowers herself before Shrew. As her hand gently alights on Shrew's shoulder, a surge of energy courses through him, infusing him with a profound sense of purpose and belonging. With a deliberate and measured movement, she brings her lips near Shrew's ear, and in a soft, melodic whisper, she utters,
1: You have arrived, my child.
0: Welcome home. Before Shrew can respond, Sinemus withdraws a hand from his shoulder and starts to ascend towards the gnarled tree. Instantly, Shrew is overwhelmed by discomfort, hunger, pain and cold. He drops to one knee, vision blurring, attempting to support himself. But he succumbs to darkness, collapsing onto the gritty, muddy ground of the tree's island. Shrew feels himself aimlessly floating in darkness, cold and unsheltered. A waterfall suddenly manifests before him, reflecting a soft light, allowing Shrew to regain a semblance of direction. The waterfall draws nearer to Shrew until he is fully enveloped by it. The water feels warm and soothing, allowing Shrew's cold body to ease up. A pang of thirst hits Shrew, prompting him to open his mouth to drink from the Cascade's healing waters. Who recoils expecting its briny, vinegary taste, He coughs and splatters as he is jolted from his dream. Drew opens his eyes to find himself back in the island with a great gnarled tree, confusingly still embraced by the warm wetness of the waterfall. He arcs his head back and jumps up in between bouts of screams and convulsions.
1: (laughs) What is that? Good morning. How considerate of you to wake up so punctually. I take it you slept well?
0: What are you doing? Who are you? Are the bloody swamps not big enough for you to have to take a pee on me?
1: (coughs) (laughs) What fun is it to pee on a tree? They take no heed. They are used to it. Pissing on creatures, that's where the fun lies. I am Callisto, a satire of these swamps. And you are the mole, or was it the shrew? (laughs) Never mind.
0: Shrew, shocked to silence, contemplates the creature before him. Callisto has untamed messy and matted shoulder-length hair, that falls around his pointed ears in wild waves. He has expressive brown almond-shaped eyes that gleam with mischievous glint. Callisto's slightly pointed nose and well-defined jawline give him an air of sylvan charm. While a pair of large curved horns adorn his forehead, he is dressed in earth-toned fabrics that complement the natural surroundings, and carries a short sword and a pan flute. Attached to a brown belt with a large wooden buckle. His fur covered lower body and legs give way to cloven hooves that resemble that of a goat's. Callisto rests a hand on his short sword, briefly contemplating his next move. He then withdraws the hand from the weapon, bringing it to his chin in thought, and takes a step back. Leaning forward with his sizable curved horns aimed at Shrew, he charges forward. Shrew is stunned. Still trying to make sense of the whole situation, he is unable to react to the fast approaching Callisto. Through a large thud, Callisto barges into Shrew, lifting him up off his feet and sending him splashing into the murky waters that surround the island. Callisto straightens up and places both hands on his hips.
1: At least he's washed off now.
0: He glances back to the tree that commands a small island.
1: Cinemas, are you sure he's the one?
0: Yes, Callisto. A voice booms out from the great tree.
1: And I would appreciate if you didn't kill him before he has a chance to prove himself. But he's small and weak, and he talks funny. You two were weak when you first arrived to the mere. I did not question their motives then. As we should not question them now. They have shown us that true will be a central piece in their vision.
0: As cynemus speaks, not a the gnarled vines begin to sprout from the tree. They snake their way towards the unconscious Shrew, who is gradually being claimed by the murky waters of the marsh. The vines encircle Shrew, lifting him a few feet above the island's muddy surface with care. A subtle green pulsating glow emanates from the vines, seeping into Shrew's awakening form. Once he regains consciousness, the vines gently lower him back down before slowly retracting into the trunk of the towering tree. See, that's a much better way to wake someone up. He says as he shakes his head quickly, in an attempt to expel most of the water from his hair. And What was that for? You bring me here, to this ghastly place, uh, then ram me into the water? That is quite rude, I'll have you know.
1: Sinemis brought you here? She is the one that spoke to you when you arrived. I'm merely in this mirror, to make sure you're ready. Well, where is she now? And ready for what? Ready for when she appears to you again.
0: Well, uh, you see, after that day, I spent quite a few months of intensive training with Callisto within the confines of the small island. He showed me how to tap into the weave and some rudimentary elements of natural magic. He toughened me up and showed me how to survive in the wilderness. Especially in the Unforgiven Swamps. He taught me the history of the MIA of Deadmen. And how it came to be. A fascinating story, perhaps for another time. Hm.
1: That Kalisto sure reminds me of somebody, sure. Really? Of who? Somebody that likes to play pranks on others. Hmm. Well, you kind of remind me of him. <laughs> well, I haven't taken a piss on you yet. Well, there's a first for everything, though. Well, I hope there's not a first for that. It's not pleasant. Is that way you learnt your prankish ways then?
0: No, no, I was born that way. Fabian. Know how you know. My pranks are tasteful. If, if I might say mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. He, he, his are rather tasteless. No pun intended.
1: If you boys are finished, I've got a question, Shrew.
0: Are you still in the bath
1: then? Are you going to shrivel up? suppose you should get out and let somebody else have a turn.
0: Well, yeah, so the, the
1: water's probably cold by now. But it has been, been so long.
0: Well, what was your question?
1: When you first met your mentor. Yes. What, she said, welcome home. Do you think that's where you're originally from? Before you dropped off whoa, at whoa, the... Whoa, doctor, whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, Fena, You, you just blown my mind. Uh, uh, I never thought of it that way. I just thought she meant that uh, me being lost and not really belonging anywhere. That... I, I had finally found a place where I could call home. You, you think I was born in the Mere of Denman. Mm, that's an interesting thought.
1: Why else would she say, welcome home?
0: Well, I just thought she meant it's like my new home. I i, I don't know. I didn't really think much about it, but you may be right.
1: <laughs> Perhaps that good man is his brother. Would explain a lot.
0: Now, now. Do you see any hooves on me, or am I spouting fur out of my arse? I think not. Not that I can recall in the bath. Should I carry on, or are we going to make a jest of my story? Aye, shut up, Fabian. Let him
1: carry on with his tale. Thank you, Nobus, thank you. I can't wait for it to be my turn. Oh, you have a story too? Oh yes, but I'm in for the bath.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, of course. Well, after all my intense training, I was to leave the safety of the island to embark on a final test before I would see Sinemus again. The Mirror of Deadmen proved to be more perilous than anything Callisto could have prepared me for. In the Mirror of Deadmen, a rudimentary raft crafted from lifeless timber drifts serenely over the murky waters, guided by the pale light of a full moon. Shrew, donned in an olive-green cloak, warding off the night's cold, stands atop, softly humming a melody whose origins are long forgotten. Guiding the raft with a meticulously carved door, it disturbs the tranquil waters with each rhythmic stroke. A shroud of mist clings to the water's surface, making it seem as if the barge and shrew are spectres of an otherworldly dimension. As shrew glides through the marsh, the ghostly remnants of semi-submerged ruins begin to emerge from the shadowy depths. Decaying structures, once proud, now forgotten, rise eerily from the water. His barge cautiously navigates through the twisted remnants of half-submerged towers and broken archways. True's eyes scan the desolate surroundings, tracing the haunting outlines of what was once a thriving settlement. The silence is occasionally interrupted by the mournful creaks of submerged structures and the gentle lapping of water against weathered stone. Shrew continues his journey, guided by an unseen force, or perhaps the echoes of the haunting melody he softly hums. The barge glides further into the heart of the ruins, an unsettling stillness pervades the air, and a sense of ancient sorrow lingers. The ruins whisper tales of a prosperous past now lost to time, and Shrew absorbs the melancholy ambience. With a careful approach, Shrew maneuvers his makeshift barge towards a small, standing tower that defiantly pierces the murky waters, the dilapidated structure barely clinging to its former glory. True secures a barge and steps onto the uneven surface of the submerged tower, taking the oar with him. The haunting ambience intensifies as he ascends the narrow winding stairs. The upper level of the ancient ruined tower reveals itself as an exposed platform to the elements. Gaps in the crumbling stone walls Allow the cool night breeze to sweep through. Moonlight bathes the weathered stone surface, casting shadows across the uneven floor. Illuminated in the soft glow of the moon, three skeletons stand motionless, their forms adorned with remnants of tattered garments and holding rusted blades. A cold shiver runs down Shrew's spine as he recognises the eerie stillness that often precedes an encounter with the undead. Shrew takes a step forward. The sound of his footfalls on the stone floor announces his approach. As if awakening from an eternal slumber, the skeletons slowly turn their bony heads towards him. Their eye sockets void of life, fixate on Shrew with an unsettling emptiness. Shrew quickly utters an incantation and thrusts a hand forwards. A sickly green mist emanates from his outstretched hand, curling and wafting towards the three skeletons. The mist engulfs them, instead of causing harm, it dissipates harmlessly around the bony forms. The skeletons seemingly unfazed continue to face Shrew, the gaze fixed upon him. Suddenly, the three skeletal figures lurch forward. The movement, though slow, carries an unsettling determination as they advance towards Shrew with disjointed steps. Shrew, now faced with imminent danger, quickly fumbles for his makeshift ore, a meagre weapon compared to the looming threat of the animated skeletons. The confined space of the ruined tower amplifies the echoes of their skeletal limbs against the decaying walls. In the dim light, Shrew's agile form darts between the skeletal adversaries, attempting to evade their relentless advance. The skeletons, devoid of any strategy, swing their ancient blades with an eerie precision, attempting to strike the intruder. As one of the skeletons slash through the air, it finds its mark on Shrew's arm. Pain shoots through him as the ragged edges of his makeshift shirt tear, revealing a shallow cut. Backed into the damp, moss-covered wall of the tower, Shrew feels the cold stone against his spine. The remaining two skeletons, undeterred by the success of their companion, continue their relentless pursuit. Shrew, now on the defensive, helplessly parries with his oar, desperately trying to fend off the skeletal onslaught. With every deflection of his foe's strikes, Shrew's makeshift weapon loses integrity, until one last hack from a skeleton's sword cuts a crudely made oar in half, sending a piece of it sprawling across the cold stone floor of the tower. Motivated by the desperation etched across Shrew's face, the skeleton seizes the opportunity and thrusts its sword forward, exploiting an opening. The fragile blade pierces through Shrew's chest mercifully avoiding vital organs by mere inches. In response, Shrew lets out an agonizing scream, the intensity of his pain echoing throughout the desolate tower. The skeleton pulls back his blade, readying for a final attack. Desperation clings to Shrew as he slumps to the ground with arms defensively shielding himself. As Shrew faces imminent demise at the hands of the skeletons, the murky waters of the mere of dead men begin to churn and ripple. A low, Rumbling sound resonates through the air, creating an atmosphere of foreboding anticipation. The water's surface begins to break, revealing the emergence of a colossal black dragon. As the dragon rises, water cascades down its sleek obsidian scales. Its eyes, a piercing shade of amethyst, exude an ancient intelligence that defies mortal comprehension. The dragon wings unfold majestically, revealing a span that eclipses the moonlit sky. The air is charged with the dragon's presence, an intangible weight that commands attention and respect. With a serpentine grace, the dragon emerges fully, towering above the semi-submerged ruins. Its elongated neck, adorned with formidable horns and spines, cranes to survey the surroundings. Wisps of shadowy mist cling to its form, adding an aura of mystique to the ancient creature. The resonant roar that follows is not a mere sound, it's a proclamation of dominance, echoing through the mirror of dead men and reverberating against the remnants of forgotten structures. With a swift and calculated claw attack, the dragon engages the skeletons, overpowering them effortlessly. The clash is fierce, bones scattering like fallen leaves across the stone floor of the tower. The dragon's intervention becomes a spectacular display of overwhelming strength, turning the tide in a moment of unexpected salvation for Shrew. In a surreal moment, the dragon approaches Shrew with deliberate grace, lowering its massive head uncomfortably close. Sheer size and proximity of the dragon overwhelm Shrew. The scent of the dragon's breath, a mixture of ancient decay and the acrid tang of brimstone, catches Shrew as a primal fear grips him. Accentuated by the oppressive aura emanating from the creature. The dragon's eyes, though intense, harbor a depth that transcends mere malice, hinting at a connection between them that goes beyond immediate peril. Unable to scramble away due to the injuries sustained in the fight, Shrew closes his eyes, unwilling to bear witness to his own demise.
1: (laughs) Did a little Shrew get lost from his burrow? My, my, those were truly some scary monsters. How brave of you to try and defeat them all by yourself. I wonder, what business does little shrew have in the mirror of dead men?
0: The dragon pauses momentarily, not expecting a reply.
1: True. <laughs> well,
0: I- I'm very grateful for your help in my moment of peril, but my business is truly my own. If it's okay with you. <laughs>
1: What a curious creature you are. You are weak, but I have decided to let you live. I have a feeling we shall meet again, Shrew. Perhaps then, you may be of use to me.
0: As the massive black dragon finishes speaking, he gracefully retreats, its obsidian scales shimmering in the moonlight as it descends into the murky waters beneath. With a powerful sweep of its wings, the dragon creates ripples across the dark surface, leaving behind a momentary reflection of moonbeams on the water. As the dragon submerges, the waters close over its formidable form, and an air of mystery lingers in the wake of its departure. The night regains its stillness, with only the quiet rustling of leaves and the distant sounds of the mere break-in-the-moment's illusion of tranquility. I sure hope we don't meet again. Anyway, I must get going, I don't fancy bleeding to death in <coughs> in these ruins when I need to show Callisto proof that I killed an undead creature. <coughs> then I shall have completed my task and finally be able to speak with Cinemas. Hmm. <coughs> One of those wretched skulls should do. As you can imagine, it was an excruciating journey back. Gladly, I had some knowledge in medicine from my time spent with the priests of Tyr as I grew up. And Callisto had taught me what herbs were useful in the Mirror of Deadmen.
1: Oh, Shrew, I've got another question. H- hang on a minute, Fenner. You said you never faced a dragon, Shrew. Well. What's all this about a dragon in the Mirror of Deadmen? Why are you really here? Well, I'm here to kill a dragon, of course, I need to
0: make sure it does not disturb the wilds. That was my mission. To be honest, I'm, I'm telling this now, but it all seemed like a dream. I don't, I don't know if I actually saw that dragon, I mean, a black dragon, sparing my life. How did it know my name? I don't know, I, I really don't know, but in any case, I didn't fight it, I didn't just Spoke to me and disappeared.
1: Perhaps Callisto pissed a bit too much on your head.
0: Callisto, you mean? Yes. Well, I don't know. He, he, he only pissed once on me, Fabian. But yes, I might have been out of sorts. I mean, I was going through a lot and... The Mere of Deadmen does things to you. Plays tricks on your mind. Oh, oh yes, it's, it's covered in fell magic. Nothing good comes out of the Mere of Deadmen anymore. Oh,
1: Fabian, we can get back to my question. True. Yes, you've that not yet. At least someone with serious well, questions. Although perhaps the way you've answered Fabian's, perhaps is not relevant anymore. Perhaps it's proof that you did make the whole thing up in your mind. How so? How would the dragon know your name? Yeah, exa- exactly. I, I don't know. I mean, it seems to know it.
0: But again, it all seems like a distant dream now.
1: I, what I want to know is, what are those ruins about? Is there any possibility of some archaeological digs there? No, no, no Some no. gold no and no treasures and no, trinkets? No, dazzling.
0: If I were you, I would stay well clear of the me of Dead Men.
1: Did you hear anything about Durakthrum? What? What? A, we'll, we'll explain when when it comes to art and to, to tell a story, but I'd be interesting to know if the great king Durakthrum ever ventured through the me of Dead Men.
0: No, I don't think so, uh, There were two kingdoms, if I remember correctly, from what Callisto taught me, but that name doesn't ring a
1: bell, no. Before you carry on with your tale, Shur, is that perhaps where you got your obsession with skeletal things, like that horse?
0: No, Fabian, trust me, after that day, I didn't want to see a skeleton in my life ever again. But Betsy, she came back to me, Fabian, and you take her away from me.
1: Oh, here we go again.
0: Anyway... Where was I? Ah yes, I took the skull back to Callisto. As the morning sun ascends, casting its golden hues upon the tranquil marsh waters, a makeshift barge emerges from the surrounding mists enveloping Sinemis' island. True, lying prone on the vessel, teeters on the brink of death. His pallid face, drained of natural colour, accentuates the gauntness of his appearance, his skin clinging tautly to the contours of his cheekbones. A poorly dressed wound on his chest oozes blood, showing signs of festering. In his feeble attempt to navigate, True loosely clutches the remnants of an oar, dipping it into the water with futile strokes. Under his arm he cradles a skull, desperately preventing it from rolling into the murky depths below the island, Asatya stands with his back turned to Shrew, revelling in laughter as he relieves himself on a toad (laughs) that sought refuge from the swamp's harsh depths. As a barge finds a natural harbour on the edges of the island, Shrew lets out a faint cry. Callisto, anticipating a scolding from an outraged toad's mother, turns around to discover Shrew and his barge, returning a week after the departure. Callisto runs up to Shrew hastily, shaking off the excess urine. He gets up to the barge and frantically drags Shrew onto the island.
1: What trouble have you gotten yourself into, Shrew? It's been a week! The meal of dead men is brimming with undead! It takes only a matter of hours before you come across one. I... I came across... Th- th- three... And you engage them in battle? I told you we need a proof that you kill one undead creature. From the
0: ancient tree, vines only too familiar to Shrew slowly wind towards him. They envelop him and commence their healing process. Within a matter of moments, Shrew's wound closes and the vigor of life returns to Shrew's face. As the vines retreat back into the tree, Shrew slowly gets up. Yes, yes, I know only one, but I couldn't let the other two escape now, could I? No, of course not, that wouldn't do at all. Shrew grabs the skull, still cradled under his arm, and triumphantly presents it to Callisto with outstretched arms. Here you go! Proof of one slain and dead! Callisto, with a serious expression, examines the skull.
1: What is
0: that? A skull! Callisto brings a hand to his face and exhales in exasperation. He recomposes himself and looks at
1: Shrew. (sighs) I can see it's a skull, but what does that prove? Well, I, I killed an
0: undead and here is his skull. Callisto grabs Shrew by the scruff of the shirt and begins leading him to the water.
1: Let me ask you a question, Shrew. You know why they call this forsaken swamp the mere of dead men?
0: In knee-deep waters, Shrew feels a sudden chill of the early morning, taken aback by Callisto's abrupt change in demeanour. Yes, yes, uh, because some crazy mage fought
1: it best... Yes, yes, but more specifically, because it's full... dead men
0: bending over callisto extends an arm into the water rummaging around before pulling something covered in mud from the island's bank he washes off the mud revealing a human skull which he presents to shrew
1: here you go proof of one slain undead
0: he tosses the skull back into the swamp then snatches the skull Shrew is holding and throws it in too
1: these prove nothing you may have found your skull lying on the floor in an abandoned ruin, for we know. Did you not think to bring something more tangible? Like what? A leg bone? No, <laughs> oh, you fool. Something with a bit more flesh on it. Something that we could ascertain was a kill, not merely chanced upon. Have you learned nothing these past few months through?
0: And where do you think my wood came from, if not a deadly encounter with
1: undead? Oh, for all we know, you might have fallen on a sharp branch, or stabbed yourself trying to light a fire. Honestly, I wouldn't put it past you.
0: Now, now, and I'll have you know I've never stabbed my chest making fires. My hands a few times, but never my chest. Enough! True and Callisto immediately stop their argument and turn towards the tree where they hear Cinemas's voice come from.
1: You two are like children, squabbling and bickering amongst yourselves. It's been ongoing for the past months. I said enough!
0: As Sinemus' voice wombs across the island, a graceful figure manifests atop the great tree. She ascends a few feet upwards, before delicately floating down towards the edge of the island. Gently hovering in place
1: before Shrew, she meets Shrew's gaze and holds it. Callisto, leave us. Shrew and I must talk. His proof was enough. There's no reason to not trust in his word. Isn't that right, Shrew? Yes, yes, of course.
0: If anything, I'm a man of my word. Callisto ambles out of the water, a bit embarrassed, and heads inland to seek some pastime.
1: Shrew, come with me.
0: Cinnamus turns away, gliding towards the ancient gnarled tree. Shrew slowly emerges from the water, his feet squelching in the grimy muck. Upon reaching the tree, Cinemus gestures for Shrew to sit on a large, flat rock, adorned with moss through the ages. Shrew takes a seat, casting a tentative gaze up at the cinemus.
1: I have been watching you these past few months as you trained with Callisto. You are a rather tenacious creature, but you are rough around the edges. You will need more training, but you are now ready to be under my tutelage.
0: I've been waiting so long to see you again. I have so many questions. Why did you bring me here? Why me? What are you training me for?
1: You are destined to a greater calling, Shrew. You know it within you. I can sense, you have been feeling lost as if you don't really belong anywhere, but you do. You belong here with me, you belong to the wilds. I am to teach you the ways of the druids, and soon you will become a stalwart defender of the natural world. You will find the purpose you have been searching for your entire life, and perhaps also the answers to your most pressing questions. I have to admit I have always felt strange. I if there was a hole
0: inside of me. But every day since I've been here, I can feel that hole shrinking. I thank you so much for this opportunity, and I shall not disappoint you. But I fear I may already have. Sinemus descends, landing before Shrew. She gently rests a hand on Shrew's face, a touch as warm as a radiance of candlelight.
1: How so, my child? Well, if
0: I'm being honest, I didn't kill the skeletons. Callista was right. I'm a fraud. A charlatan. I don't deserve to study under your guidance. The truth is, uh, a great black dragon emerged from the swamp. It attacked and killed the skeletons and saved me. He thought it best to let me live and I scrambled my way back here. Like a rat. If it weren't for the dragon, I'd be dead in a tower. How am I to be great if all this was built on a lie? So you met the black death? Oh, like the Bad breath, but yeah, I think so. Cinemas's expression shifts abruptly to shock and then almost immediately to delight upon hearing Shrew's dismissive words about the dragon.
1: My, you are a bold one. I think we could all learn a thing or two about you. <laughs> Don't worry about the test. It is of no importance if you kill the skeletons or not. You survived the of dead men. Not everyone can attest to that. Just look at the desolation around you. You have survived an encounter with the Black Death, but more importantly, Shrew, he chose to save you. This is a testament to the greatness within you, for you are special, my child.
0: Hmm, well, yeah, now that you mention it, the dragon seemed to like me. Perhaps I can tame it and ride it across the swamp. Mm. Cinemus's playful demeanor fades as she places her other hand on Shrew's face tilting his head upwards to meet her gaze, her eyes bearing the weight of her forthcoming words.
1: Don't get confused, Ru. The Black Death is not a friend. He is a vile, conspiring, an evil creature that only serves one purpose. Himself. The fact that he saved you only means that he sees greatness within you. A virtue that he surely intends to exploit. You can count yourself lucky if you never meet him again. Oh yes, of course. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me show you something true.
0: Cinemas approaches the great tree. As the delicate fingers gently graze the ancient bark, the tree responds and scroll in like a living parchment. It reveals a breathtaking scene of untouched beauty, a natural world that extends far as the eye can see. Towering, ancient trees with sprawling branches create a canopy above, filtering sunlight to cast patterns on the forest floor. The air is filled with the sweet melody of bird songs, and colourful butterflies dance between blooming flowers. Pristine lakes reflect the surrounding greenery, their crystal clear waters home to playful fish and graceful swans. Fragrant wildflowers blanket the ground, painting the landscape in hues of blues, purples and yellows. The subtle rustling of leaves and the gentle breeze creates a harmonious melody that enchants the listener lulling Shrew into a state of comfort that has forever eluded him. The glimpse into the idyllic scenery evokes a sense of tranquillity and wonder, a stark contrast to the murky waters and decaying ruins of the Mere of Deadmen.
1: Cinemas turns back to Shrew. This is my home, and this tree, it used to be a door to and from the Mere of Deadmen. I was tasked by my druid circle to heal this wretched swamp from the fell magic that grips it to cleanse it from all the aberrations and unnatural beings that unlawfully claim a hold to these once pristine lands. Then I met the Black Death. Against my judgement I struck a deal with him. We would aid each other in ridding the mere of its unwanted denizens. But I became too careless. I left myself open and the Black Death betrayed me. The dragon ensnared me into this realm, unable to abandon this small island. The door to my own became a mere window a constant mocking reminder of my foolishness, in trusting an evil entity. I'm so truly sorry that happened to you.
0: When I get stronger, perhaps I can convince him to
1: set you free. <laughs> that would be nice,
0: true. smile gives way to a frown as she gazes into the window to her home. A momentary pang of longing hits her before she shakes her head. With a swift touch of her hand, the tree closes turning the scenes of verdant beauty into a memory etched in their minds. After that day, Cinemus showed me the ways of the druids, showed me all I know. It was hard training, but I loved every day of it. As I became stronger and better at magic, Callisto and I would venture into the swamp ridden it of undead and monstrosities. Through us, Cinamus was fulfilling her task of healing the Mere of deadmen entrusted to her by her circle. One morning, Cinamus told me of another dragon, our friend up there in Icepire Peak. She told me that it was displacing beasts and that it was a threat, as you know, to the natural order. She wanted to prevent another catastrophe like the Mere from happening again, But she could not leave the island herself She entrusted the task of killing the white dragon to me. I was to leave immediately, keep training hard and kill it. She would require proof of its demise in the form of one of its scales. And that's when I set off for Fandling, and eventually met all of you, my lovely family. True, so the dragon was real? Yes, yes, the dragon was real. What I'm not sure of is if my encounter with it was
1: well, it was merely a dream. Do you think perhaps that's why the dragon attacked you on that wagon with your friend Vincent?
0: You you if, thought the, the white, white dragon, dragon smelled black dragon on me? Possibly. Well, uh, it was years past since that encounter. I don't think I still smell like a dragon. Do I kind of lift my arm up and smell under my armpit?
1: You smell of gnomish soaps.
0: No, I smell of gnomish soaps. Uh, quite. A, bit mu- a bit mushroomy. Quite much for me. But how did he know your name then? I have no, no idea. Perhaps he heard it, or perhaps it was indeed a dream. I, I really don't know. I, I, I wasn't about oh. to ask it either. I mean, it was a rather terrifying encounter. I was bleeding to death, and the last thing on my mind was
1: how it knew my name. Are you concerned that if this dragon somehow knows that your mentor sent you up to slay it? That perhaps it traps you. Potentially all of us. Atop top by peak. Unable to leave. Like your mentor. Your great mentor couldn't kill a dragon. How are we going to kill one? Well
0: perhaps this dragon isn't as ancient. As powerful as, as, the, as the other one. I don't know. As I said it was a fleeting moment. He appeared to me. I didn't really get to see it very well. It was enormous. Uh, that much I do know. I don't know of its powers, the black dragon's powers, that is, as well as I don't really know of the white dragon's
1: powers. <laughs> just, just promise me one thing, sure. Yes. Because again, in your your story, this almost obsession keeps coming up. Just promise me you're not going to try and ride the damn dragon well in the middle of battle. <laughs> <Ritz>. <laughs>
0: well, uh, I'd I'd be lying if I told you I haven't fantasized about it, of course. But no, no, uh, this is. A serious mission, and I will make damn sure that we get rid of that dragon.
1: Once we see it, does that mean you can turn into a dragon now that you can turn into flying beasts? That would be handy.
0: That would be incredible.
1: We could ride you. Yes.
0: Well, I suppose that I've, I've already seen it. If 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 I were able to turn into one, I would be able to do it right now. Let me try. And I try and turn into a white dragon.
1: Give me a nature check. 19. I think the proof is in the pudding that perhaps it's your dice and not your actual luck.
0: Yeah, I rolled with Nick's dice right now.
1: So Shu's trying to turn into this dragon, trying to remember what it looks like. As he starts drawing on the power of the wilds, starts to shift. These large wings start to sprout from his shoulders. And for a moment, just briefly, he turns into a mix a giant eagle and a lizard for popping back into shrew there (laughs) did it work not quite you look like our friend from the mountains back there with frog legs oh really well
0: that that is not quite what i was going for but yes I, i don't think i can turn into a dragon unfortunately but oh well we at least tried it it's best to make sure we explore all avenues when we are going to defeat this dragon
1: i say i've got to agree with both favian and yushu your relationship with callisto really does remind me of the tomfoolery and camaraderie you share with favian
0: yes you could say callisto is a bit of a fool and very much like favian keeps sticking his foot in it all the time and
1: oh, hold on a minute i said he reminded to bicker me of you. And quarrel
0: quite a yeah. lot Yes, I can see the similarities, Fenner.
1: Yes, yes, uh, I can see exactly where Shrew has got his nonsense from. I, I think you're right, he's definitely from the Mere of Dead Men. It would explain how he caused that accident in in Lelon and all his zoning out. He, he, he was probably, uh, enough boys. Dazlin, Norbus, what about you? How did you come to be in that excavation when Shrew and I first came to you?
0: Oh, yes, yes, I remember that day. Yes, do tell us a bit about yourselves.
1: And that's where we're going to call it a session. There we go. I hope you enjoyed
0: this one, the continuation of Shrew's backstory. If you haven't heard the first part, that was episode 65. You can go back and listen to that. That
1: was a Shrew to the past. That's correct.
0: And don't forget to check us out at wwwi There you'll find all our links to all our things one of them being the buy me a coffee page our buy me a coffee page where you can choose to become a member and there you'll get uh, behind the scenes stuff you'll get some shorter podcast episodes where we talk about the sessions we play and how our week has been going we haven't been updating it for those of you that are diligent and are up to date. In the last couple of weeks because of the holidays but we'll get to it soon enough as we've said once all these backstories are over we'll get back to it there you can also find our shop and you can also choose to donate potions the donations you make will appear in-game as well so in that way you can become part of the stories we tell and help us in our campaign and as a podcast so thank you very much if you do decide to donate remember i2td.com and you'll find all our links there
1: and if you can't donate or don't wish to but still want to help the podcast grow you can certainly do so by liking commenting subscribing sharing getting the good i2td name out there in the wild
0: yes that would be ideal
1: and that brings us on to the end of the episode club the last one standing we give you a password, you put it in a comment, and you compete for the esteemed title of The Guilla Yep, we'll
0: give you the title on Discord, so if you're not there, make sure to join, and you can talk to us there and our other friends that are hanging out. Do you have a password for today?
1: No, no, no. no.
0: I have to come up with it, yes. right? Okay, today's password is P in a pod.
1: <laughs> is that because of you and Callisto, because you're like peas in a pod? Or is it because of what Callisto did to show?
0: Yeah, like peeing 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 a pod I'm the pod and Callista was peeing on me <laughs> So pee in a pod, but spell it as P-E-A-I-N-P-O-D pee in a pod Okay, so that's your password Can't wait to see what you come up with We've been loving reading the comments. Uh, I'm a bit scared <laughs> Yeah, that's part of the fun We've been loving reading the comments on X and on Discord, so keep them coming. Thank you very much for that. But anyway, I think we've run out of time. It's time to say goodbye. Goodbye. And catch you next time.
1: Catch you next time.
0: As we delve
1: into Into the the dungeon.
0: dungeon.